In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thanks be to God, the holy patron whom we celebrate today, our glorious Saint Benedict, is not lacking in illustrious titles in Christendom. However, I would like to consider him under a different title today. This year, we have been offering you a program of Lent with the Fathers, how the Fathers of the Church have expounded to us on the lessons that we learn each day during our 40-day pilgrimage to the empty tomb. And so, we might take a moment to ask the question, does St. Benedict deserve to be reckoned as one of the fathers of the Church? There are many other fathers of this period who have received great and illustrious titles that make them stand out among the others. I think, for instance, of St. Cyril of Alexandria, who lived just a generation or two before St. Benedict, St. Cyril, of course, being a father of the East, and who is honored in the East by the title Seal of All the Fathers, as though he encapsulates in all of his writings everything that came before. This is because especially no, no one wrote more clearly than St. Cyril of Alexandria on the mystery of the incarnation of our Lord, so much so that his teaching would be enshrined in all of the ecumenical councils that would immediately follow his career. What of St. Benedict, however, in the West? Could he have a similar title? In terms of his writings, he could not possibly compare to a Cyril of Alexandria or to any other Cyril, indeed to any other father. St. Benedict was not, in his writings, as prolific as any of the other fathers in East or West. Nevertheless, we may well say that even though he did not write as much as a St. Augustine, he deserves that title, Seal of the Fathers of the West, more than any other. Because the writings that he left us are very much of a different nature. If we were to give him a name as a father of the church, we might well call him the father who taught the West to pray. And as for his one piece of writing which comes down to us, his holy rule, we might well refer to this document as the veritable constitution of Europe. Certainly it deserves that title more than any other constitution devised by the plutocratic oligarchs of the modern era. Long before they came on the scene, St. Benedict gave Christendom, the West, its true constitution. And how does this constitution open? 
What is its preamble? Hearken, my son, to the precepts of the Master, and incline the ear of thy heart. Freely accept and faithfully fulfill the instructions of a loving Father, that by the labor of obedience thou mayest return to him from whom thou hast strayed by the sloth of disobedience. To thee are my words now addressed, whosoever thou mayest be, that renouncing thine own will to fight for the true King Christ, dost take up the strong and glorious weapons of obedience. The rule of St. Benedict is the foundation of all religious life in the West. And although, of course, he speaks and implies all of the evangelical councils and his rule in the way of life that he founded, it is a marvel to consider throughout the rule of St. Benedict, which I hope you all have had the occasion to read, and if not, perhaps make the good resolution to do so now, what we find is the theme running throughout it is simply that one counsel which seems for him to cover all the others, counsel of obedience. It is the true remedy for man's rebellion. It is the remedy indeed for that non serviam of the devil himself, which brought catastrophe upon the universe which God had lovingly created. Yes, in this rule of obedience, we find the remedy for all of the evils that have come upon mankind. There could be no better constitution for the Western world than the one that was laid down in the 5th century by St. Benedict. He lived at a time when, according to modern secular historians, the way we reckon the years and different periods of history, the ancient world was collapsing. Rome was falling. There's a date which we choose almost arbitrarily as the fall of Rome, 476, although Rome had been sacked many times before by barbarians and would be sacked again after that. Nevertheless, that is the date fixed on for the fall of Rome. We should not think, however, that civilization was then coming to an end, that everyone forgot how to read, how to think, all the way until the so-called Renaissance would come and restore learning. No, men were in fact at that time laying the foundations of a new and greater civilization, a true Christian civilization. In this great work, what as St. Benedict should be the foundation. What is the very lifeblood of such a work of founding a civilization? For him it is the same as for any work we take up. As he explains again in his preamble, his prologue. First of all, he says, whatever good work thou undertakest, ask him with the most instant prayer to perfect it, so that he who has deigned to count us among his sons may never be provoked by our evil conduct. For we must always so serve him with the gifts which he has given us that he may never as an angry father disinherit his children, nor yet as a dread lord be driven by our sins 
to cast into everlasting punishment the wicked servants who would not follow him to glory. If Christian civilization today is in utter ruin, it can only be because we have forsaken this way laid down so long ago by the true founder of our Christian civilization. We have neglected the constitution of our true Christian state. And it is only by returning to that way of humble and joyful obedience that we will ever recover what is lost. Even in this late hour, when it seems that all may be lost and that Christian civilization will never return to the world, we must not lose heart. For then, just as we make together our Lenten pilgrimage, we must hear as he continues, up with them, up then with us at last. For the scripture arouses us, saying, Now is the hour for us to rise from sleep. Let us open our eyes to the divine light. Let us hear with attentive ears the warning that the divine voice crieth daily to us. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And again, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. And what does he say? Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Run while you have the light of life, lest the darkness of death overtake you. There is a way in which each and every one of us, regardless of our state of life, can take part in this work of restoring Christian civilization, this work of returning to our true constitution. It is to take part in what he speaks about here at the beginning of his rule, and what he proposes to do, what would indeed bring about the conversion of all of Europe, founding, he says, a school of the service of the Lord. For St. Benedict, this was, first of all, the founding of monasteries. These monasteries which he would found throughout Europe, which would be founded on one thing above all, the work of God, which for him meant always the work of the divine praises, the work of prayer. It was this founding of monasteries throughout Europe, this founding of schools of the service of the Lord, which would be given above all to prayer, that the conversion of Europe was brought about. These monasteries then became the foundation of whole communities, of the greatest cities. At one point in time, in the high Middle Ages, it is estimated that the majority of the Christian population was associated in one way or another with the Benedictine order. This school, then, of the service of the Lord is certainly what the Institute of Christ the King brings to its work throughout the world as well. For the canons and oblates, we have our little schools of service and the communities we have, our oratories, our priories throughout the world. And, of course, we have the lives of our sister adorers, who indeed found a school of the service of the Lord and give themselves, above all, to that highest work we can have here on earth, the work of adoring Almighty God, our King and Sovereign Priest. 
But every household can and must be that same school of the service of the Lord. Every household must be given above all to the work of adoring God. It is not a matter of balancing one's time, one's actions with the spiritual life. There is no good to be done at all in any family, in any household, without first of all accomplishing the great work of singing God's praises, the great work of coming together as a family in prayer, adoring God, thanking him, begging pardon and making reparation for your sins and imploring his help for salvation. It is only once this foundation is laid in any family, in any household, that any other good work here on earth can possibly be accomplished. The work then lies before us, and we see that all of us are capable of recovering our true constitution. Let us implore then the intercession today of our dear patron Saint Benedict, the one who first taught the West truly how to pray. Saint Benedict, seal of the Western Fathers, teacher of prayer, founder of Christian civilization, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.